everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Christian Hunters of America podcast. This is Chet. We have Mike Ornoski, my co-host in studio today, and we have a special guest that a lot of people in Arizona know, Jason Miller. He is with Trail Cam Journey on Facebook. Um, He has probably one of the biggest followings on trail cameras, documenting a lot of the animals all over Arizona, but specifically Southern Arizona. He has kind of changed over the last couple years of still shots we're going to get more into it when we speak with him but he's transitioned a lot into the videos and he uses a wide variety of brands one just trying to see if any are better than the other and two just to see kind of the quality that the the less expensive cameras have if any of you follow the trail cam journey on his facebook page or see him on instagram and he'll give us those handles when we uh, when we start speaking with him. You're going to see a lot of the footage. You're going to see a lot of the videos of a lot of our different animals that are specific to Arizona. Our coos deer, the Kawada Mundis. Uh, everybody jokes they're the little desert monkeys. Um, they're real talkative. They're real loud, running around and whatnot. But they're real interesting because you don't see those very often. Um, along with black bears, along with mule deer, and a whole bunch of other stuff. So without further ado, how are you, Jason? Can you hear us all right? Yes, yes. Thank you so much for having me. Welcome. How are you, Mike? We are doing good. We are. It's a beautiful day outside, and we're excited to talk to Mr. Miller. I mean, turns out we've kind of formed a relationship and, and friendship over the, the last year or so, and uh, it is an honor and privilege to have you with us today. Oh, well, thank you very, very much. I know I talked about it a little bit Um I think a lot of people are brand specific. A lot of people are, we, we give each other heck all the time and, and joke around on our vehicles. And, you know, if you're a Chevy or a Ford or a Dodge guy, and some people are like, I'm only use Browning cams. I only use stealth cams. I only use mole trees or whatnot, but you use every single brand out there. And no matter what, and I'm sure you can elaborate some of it is placement. Some of it is shade. Some of it's clear in the area, maybe. Um, no matter what brand it is, you seem to have unbelievable still shot photos as well as video from the wild game innovations that I've seen you talk about and post that are some of the less expensive ones and, and probably some other some other cheaper ones that are still produce good quality. Maybe they don't last three or four years. Maybe they do, but... Your videos are are lights out on um, using you know ten or fifteen different brands. If you can talk about that a little bit, yeah, uh, you know when I began, you know it was the spur of the moment thing. I was just it was you know when we had the jaguars down south, a few of them in a diff- few different mountain ranges, and I just you know I thought wow I'd love to get footage of them. So I bought my first one, which was a Tasco, and. Uh, from Walmart, I got it for like 16 bucks, and it's one of my best cameras, believe it or not. Um, fast forward four years, uh, I, I go with more expensive quality cameras like Suspect and Browning, just for the quality, you know, the, especially for the videos. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I started off with, you know, all the cheapest ones I could get, and uh, I have a YouTube channel, and because of that, I want the higher quality but saying that, going back four years, uh, actually two years ago, I had a, a Chinese camera that I actually had given to me. Um, I got some footage of uh, Abelina giving birth, and it was a 1080 video. And I, for two years, year and a half, two years, 
I was sitting on it. I posted some, you know, little clips of the video and didn't think much of it. And I didn't want to post it on my channel because I didn't think it was good enough quality. And, and then one day I, I put a video together of all the clips of the birth and I posted it and it showed me that even though it was a lower quality video, the views went through the roof. I got 20 something thousand views on it and it was incredible. So it goes to show you, you know, you don't have to have the best quality. It's what you're getting a video of that makes the difference. But, um, yeah, you know, Tasco, then I went to wall game and I get them cheap, you know, like on Amazon. And honestly, picture wise, every camera out there, regardless of price will take awesome pictures. Um, but I, I use the more expensive one more now just for my channel because of the, you know, the quality of the video. Uh, so, you know, I, I won't pass up a free camera regardless of, you know, how many, uh, you know, how high the, the, uh, video is on it, 1080 or whatever. Um, I'll still use it. Uh, and it has a lot to do with placement. Um, even with the, the expensive cameras, if the sunlight's not right or it's too shaded, the video quality is not going to look as good. Um, so it's not always better to have, you know, the more expensive ones, but I kind of prefer them just for what I do. Yeah, Mike and I have kind of learned over the years that, one, he's been he's had cameras and has used cameras in the past far more than me, but I know with my stealth cams and whatnot that that's what I've been using. Um, I, I have no problem. I've had Wild Game Innovations. I've used some other ones as well. But right. definitely using, you know, north and south facing predominantly if you can just so that if it's facing to the east you're going to get everything washed out in the morning as the sun comes up if you have it facing to the west every time there's a sunset it'll probably you know give you a couple good photos of a cool sunset maybe an animal silhouetted but a lot of times those dusk photos and as the sun sets when animal starts coming out you're going to have a lot of washed out photos unfortunately so we try to do as many north and south facing and because over the years we've seen how quickly those sd cards fill up even with using the higher end lithium ion batteries that last longer if you have grass and shrubs and all these little things that are going to trigger it even if you have the lowered settings it fills up so fast and it's fun going out there and checking them no matter what and it gets you outside you get you in shape um, and you go on those good hikes and you're, you're doing the scouting all along the way to find, uh, where you put those cameras, but it is, uh, a little aggravating when you get there and there's 3000 pictures, it filled it up really quick or, or, you know, whatever. And 2,990 are of a twig flickering and 10 are of the animal. Um, what's your experiences with stuff like that? Well, you know what? Yeah, I went through it all too. <laughs> um, just like everybody else did. Uh, what I, what I do now, uh, I have for a couple of years now is, you know, about eight foot out in front of the camera and a few feet to the sides of, you know, where it's aiming. I, I pull all the grass or I trim it with a pair of, you know, snips that I keep in my bag. Um, any overhanging limbs that will blow that might, you know, hang over in the, in the range of the lens, I trim. I, you know, I spend some time at each spot when I set up a camera. I don't just tie it up and go with it. I landscape the place. <laughs> you know, I don't, you know, I don't do any damage. I just kind of clear it. So I don't have as many pictures that, you know, are triggered by the wind, um, rain or weather or whatever. Uh, that's, that's what I do now. And sometimes it, it doesn't always work. You know, there's always something in the background that 
gets blown around that I, I didn't get. And I'll get some of those triggers, but I get far less now than I ever did, you know, in the beginning. That's just experience like we've all we've all had. It just takes time and bringing them back. And whether you take all those SD cards and take them back to your home computer or you have a card reader out there, it just takes, you know, months or years to figure all those little tips of the trade, uh, all the little tricks, excuse me. And, uh, you know, you just get, get better and better, but I know Mike has a lot of experience with cameras. What do you, what do you think, Mike? No, I agree with that. And I think I would say probably 95% of us or more of us, we love water holes. So I know that's where I run into a lot of issues is, you know, find a big dirt tank and you put that camera on there and it's wide open and that sun goes down or cattle come in and it triggers a whole bunch of stuff. And, and really, when I watch what you've done over the last four years is you're a hunter. You know, you're born and raised in Arizona. I mean, you understand hunting. Your your whole philosophy of trail cameras is an extension of being a hunter. And by being a hunter, I think sometimes we gloss over the attention to details and we look at the bigger stuff because we just want to see the animal. And I think when I watch your videos and talking to you in the past is – you have changed your whole mindset of, of a hunter. Now your your hunter is looking for the game and what they leave behind to where you can place your cameras, not on a water hole per se, as all of us do, or a drinker or something like that, or in a big open meadow or dump a pile of salt on and hope to get pictures. But you're actually going right in the mix of their bedroom, or their core areas where they leave and trying to get natural images and videos of what they're doing you know, throughout the day. So you want to kind of expand on how you've, you went from a hunter into basically learning how to see the animal for what their, whatever that attribute is, if it's a javelina or a coos deer or a mule deer, or like your rattlesnake den, where you're actually going right in and getting that, that camera set up to capture them in whatever their aspects are of real life and conditions. Yeah. You know, I, I, when I first started, I just wanted pictures of the animals. And then I started getting deeper and deeper into it. And you're right. I want to catch them in their element. That's why, you know, hobbling in, in the, in their beds, uh, coos at the scrape line, uh, a, a bear swimming in a small little spring. I, I wanted to get something different than what, you know, everybody gets because after a while, you know, you, you see the same stuff over and over and, you know, it's cool, but it gets boring. And I, I want to, you know, I wanted to find a way to change it up. And you're right. I'm, even though I, I don't, I'm not hunting in 2022. I don't have a hunting license this year because I chose to run cameras. Um, I, I'm hunting, but just with cameras, you know, rather than, you know, my bow. Um, so I, the hunting part is, is not gone. It's just, I'm hunting for the footage, you know, per se. And we're glad you are because, like uh, we kind of talked off the air a little bit, it'd be hard-pressed to say that with social media stretching as far as it does, you know, there are no boundaries. People in other countries see what you post, and definitely everybody here in the in the United States and North America, I'm sure, sees what you post. When you created the Trail Cam Journey and your YouTube channel, a lot of people, you know, collared peccaries, our javelina, they're only endemic to... Texas, New Mexico, and and Arizona, as far as United States goes. So, and our coos deer, right. New Mexico, and here only, we have you know some pretty cool species that are only found in Arizona. The same reason that we're watching stuff in Canada or Alaska for giant moose or giant brown bears or giant grizzlies, um, they're looking at you know animals that are only specific to 
to this geographical area. So I'm sure it's very star or far reaching. And I'm sure it's very hard for you not to go out and physically hunt, but you just got back from helping uh, a buddy. And I know it was in a specific brand new area that no one had ever been to so that you know, we're talking on the subject of trail cameras. They got banned um, for everybody that is not familiar. Um, you cannot use them for any, any. Um, I don't want to misquote the correct or the exact verbiage, but basically you cannot use any of the trail cameras to assist in the taking of an animal. You can't use it right. um, in units that you're hunting and whatnot. There's a lot of, a lot of uh, unknowns because it is brand new. It just took effect this month. Um, Arizona Game and Fish passed it last year as a new rule, and it, it has a lot of upset people, that, um, including a lot of us at uh, Christian Hunters of America. We use trail cameras, and I don't know, there would be probably less than 5% <clears throat> of animals that have been ever captured on a camera that have ever been harvested. Most of them are, like I said, at least 90-plus percent are just pictures of animals that we enjoy watching and um you'd have to live in the woods to see all the time and taking your kids and family but without getting into that rabbit hole we have talked about in the past it's just it's going to be hard uh, as a hunter like yourself um not being able to go out there and harvest these animals and then when just to cover your own um record and you know cover yourself you hunted way away from anywhere you've ever been in a new area and you guys were still able to target an awesome coos buck if you can talk about that a little bit too that you had to go completely away just so that you because a lot of people know you and because a lot of uh i'm sure game and fish know who you are because of the the trail cam ban and the trail cam issue was such a highly contested issue in 2021 that uh people would recognize your face or, or know your name one it does make you go to new areas which is which is fun in and of itself that you get to explore and and find new terrain and find new new critters but um you had to go a long ways away correct to be able to help your buddy? Yeah, you know, I, that was the whole reason I, I didn't get a hunt license. I didn't want to, you know, be a target. Uh, I'm not knocking the game and fish whatsoever. Uh, I just, I didn't want no issues. I chose to run cameras this year instead of hunt or do both like, you know, I did before, even though I didn't use them for hunting. Um, so we went to a new area, and that was great about him getting that buck, the buck that he got, because, you know, I we'd never hunted that area before. And I didn't want to be in a place where I was remotely even close to any cameras. Uh, so I wouldn't get fingered with the aid, you know, aiding somebody else. And I thought, well, if I'm not going to get a hunt license and hunt myself, I sure as hell ain't going to aid nobody else. You know, I, if that's the case, if that's the case I'm going to, I'm going to get my own hunt license and hunt myself. But so we went <laughs> to a new place and, um, yeah, you know, we, we scored, he got a beautiful buck with a little drop time, coos and it was the biggest one he'd ever gotten and you know i've known this guy for years and um you know he he, he worked hard for this deer you know and he has for years to get a caliber uh size buck like this and it, it was it was great it was really great but i, I want to also go back to the fact of finding this going to this new place and getting on this buck had a lot to do with what i have learned from running trail cameras in regards to finding my spot, that's the key there. Uh, you know, anybody can go out and put a camera up somewhere, but when you want, you know, a certain kind of footage, 
sometimes you have to go where no one else has been. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, you know, it was, it was great going to a new spot and, and doing it all. Um, and it was great being a part of a hunt again, because, you know, I, I'm not hunting this year and like everybody else, most of the hunters out there, we all wait for January 1st. And this was really hard for me this year because I didn't go out after javelina or deer like I do every single year for the last, you know, 30-something years. So it, it was weird. <laughs> yeah. But it was it was fun. It was fun being on a hunt and it being a successful one. And I found a new spot. And uh, so, you know, yeah, that's how it goes. Exactly. And I think that shows the testament is there's a perception that uh, hunters can only hunt if they throw a camp trail camera up and it's going to make them 100% successful. So I think that is one of those images that are out there that is so false and so far-fetched that it's not even true. And here, um, somebody with your expertise and knowledge of looking how to set up, you know, to, to harvest an animal, you went into right. a completely different area, used your tactics as a, as a successful hunter and as a successful tra- trail camera placement individual you know, did your diligence going in and, and scouting it, learning it, then determine where to place uh, a good friend of yours so he may have a chance to harvest a coos deer, and he was rewarded shortly thereafter. And all of that had to do with basically scouting it, understanding the train, understanding the animal's behavior, looking for the key aspects of, of trails, scat, um, could be rutting activity, um, scrapes, things like that. And by doing that, you're able to go into a completely remote area, which is tens, 20, 30 upwards miles away, not even close when you think about the distances of of those areas, which those animals are basically isolated that you've never been to. And for you to go in and basically have high success within, what, three, four, five days max of actually going out there and exploring it and determining that? It was the first day. <laughs> the first day. First yeah, day. you know, and I, I'm not bragging like I'm some kind of white tail, you know, know-it-all by any means. But just from what I've learned from finding the coups uh, to get my footage has benefited me in finding them in regards to hunting. You know, do you see what I'm saying? And not that I didn't know how to do it, you know, for the last something, 30-something years. It's just it, I, 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 I hunt a different way now. I've learned so much from the cameras and, you know, it's, it's taught me a lot about the animals because I go into the, the animal's bedroom now. And before, you know, you'd go out to the playing field. Now I'm in the bedroom and that's benefited me on, on getting the footage I get. And in regards to hunting, it benefits me the same way. Absolutely. And just think if for somehow you're able to teach Arizona hunters, all of the knowledge you've gained over the last four years of trail camera hunting, Instead of archery success being, I think it, it spiked to roughly 15%, so 15 archery hunters will be successful out of 100. Just imagine if, if, if we took got rid of every trail camera that they liked because they're worried about, you know, protecting the herds and we're harvesting too many deer and animals and things like that, and it's fair chase. Could you imagine if you right. went and showcased your knowledge and implemented that to all of us hunters? I mean, we probably would be a 75% successful archery team you know i mean we could Absolutely. We, we, we could wipe it out based on understanding how to truly hunt in their bedroom and understand the sign instead of just showing up glassing a couple hills glossing over a whole bunch of stuff when right. we know and that I the animals I, are there I, I but we overlook I, you know, them or we try to here, sneak up on them don't have the wind right and all the like other that. characteristics uh, that, that go with that so right and i'm not i i don't don't get me wrong i you know i don't go out every year and i score and everything it's nothing like that uh 
I have a lot more fails in my hunts than success. But when I do have success, it does have a lot to do with, uh, you know, me knowing where to find animals. You know what I mean? No, there's no question because I'm in the same boat. I think, you know, we're in, since 20, you know, 2000, we're in 2022, 22 years, I can only count a handful of years that I did not harvest a deer. I think I'm 100% on javelina. And I think that when I hear you talk and you explain that, I mean, that's a lot of my philosophies of why I'm super successful. You know, I, I don't really brag about it. Don't talk about it a lot. But I mean, I, I do harvest a tremendous amount of animals, but and it's just about foot, you know, basically out there in the forest. I'm, I'm hiking, I'm exploring, I'm getting in the deep canyons, I'm, I'm out in the field and and I'm right. out there dark to dark where a lot of times people go out and hunt for two, three hours and they go back to camp and hang out where this is when we're hunting, we're hunting. I mean, it's it's all day and we're learning, we're adapting and, and we're changing, you know, per se. Yeah, you know, and I, I think outside of the box a lot when it comes to cameras that I didn't do growing up as a hunter. Um, I, you know, like the, the javelina uh, footage in a bed, you know, I, growing up, I find beds, I check them when I was hunting them and stuff. And now that I use cameras, I just think different. I'm like, Oh, I'll put a camera on the bed and I'll get the footage all day, all night. And I'll see actually what they do. And then people are like, how do you find this and that? And how do you do this and that? They can't believe it. And it's like, I, that's the whole point of doing trail cameras to do something different than just getting the average picture, thinking outside the box, put a camera on the bed if it's an active bed, you're going to get a lot of footage. Boom, there you go. You know, and a lot of people are, think I got some kind of magic power of, you know, finding these spots or I'm, you know, at the Desert Museum getting my footage. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just, you know, it's the same with rattlesnakes. Um, you know, I, I can't, I don't like rattlesnakes. I don't like any snake, but especially rattlesnakes. Uh, because, you know, when I see one, I never look up again. I'm always looking at the ground, and it ruins my hunt, you know. And with a rattlesnake den, I just thought, wow, you know, I'd love to get some rattlesnake footage. It makes sense. Go to a den, find a den, set up some cameras. I might get some footage. Boom, outside the box. That's what I mean about trail cameras, teaching me other ways of finding animals to get the footage than what we've grown up learning, you know, in regards to hunting. I agree. <clears throat> I think your mountain lions, probably your black bears, um, recently the rattlesnakes, and then definitely the deer and whatnot and the javelina. I think those are some of the biggest and the most popular ones. We call them, you know, joke about the little piggy piles. Everybody thinks when you're out there hunting, oh, they could be bedded right now or or. You know, they're active at all different times. We've seen them at night. We've seen them during the day. <clears throat> right. Excuse me. Um, they We've seen them all, all all different times of the day and at night based on uh, based on some of our trail cam pictures and videos and based on some of yours. But you're, you're hearing their vocalizations. You're hearing how the babies interact, the little reds. You're seeing them all pile up, and you can see, like, the temperature. It, it's just interesting, and it's fun. And when you're glassing a hillside and you're guessing or speculating that they're that they're in bed right now or, oh, it's about 9 o'clock, they should be getting out of bed, they're going to hopefully we'll see these little black dots moving on, the, on that yellow grass. Now it's just fun to confirm, you know, suspicions that, okay, in this area, it may not be everywhere, but they are, you know, all the same animal no matter where they're at in Arizona, that they're all underneath this tree. And when you see it, you know, pounded and you see a little bit of the scat, cool. That's an area to focus. And if you're spotting and stalking with archery, or if you have a rifle tag in there, 
maybe, you know, get on that hillside and start glassing. But if you didn't have trail cameras or if you didn't get out there and see that kind of stuff, you wouldn't know that. <clears throat> and oh, seeing yeah, those videos. Sorry, go ahead. No, you finished. I thought you finished. Go ahead. So just seeing those videos, I mean, your videos are instrumental in helping a lot of people. Um, you've, you, like you said, you've taken 2022 off, you haven't hunted, you didn't buy a hunting license, and yet you're still going to be helping more than just your friends that you're physically taking out there. All the people, think about all the people that watch your YouTube channel or watch any of your social media, and they're looking at the timestamp, they're looking at the date stamp, they're looking at the temperature and seeing what those javelina are doing. You see that mom pop up and those little reds start taking off and playing and whatnot, or you see them all bundled up and you're like oh wow it's you know in the 30s there's no caves around possibly in that desert area and they're all piled up next to each other like if we were all stuck out there outside without a tent or without a jacket kind of thing it's just it confirms a lot of people suspicions or or speculations that oh they're doing this or they're doing that or you know you're on the hillside you don't see them but you know that pigs are in that area you know deer in that area well they're bedding down they're glassing or when you're glassing, they're bedded at this time. And that proverbial perfect time for coos deer, you you know, you got cameras um, showing video of them up in that 10 to 2, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. where a lot of people go back that Mike touched on. A lot of people go back and go back to camp, go get a nap because you got up early. But a lot of coos deer, you know, between 10 and 2 are, are hitting water. And a lot of people don't realize that, but I think they're learning that one from being out there in the field and two seeing some of your pictures of that they're active and they're not all bedded down during that time. Yeah. You know, what I've learned about cameras is you, they're the only animals are unpredictable. You, you can't, you know, all oh, this coming by at 10 AM every day. It's nothing like that. Um, sometimes they do two, three days and then you don't see them again for two weeks, like bears, especially, um, with javelina, it was actually my Casco camera almost four years ago. I realized with javelina, I got pictures of them, and it was on a freezing, frigid night. And this is in regards to, you know, southern Arizona in my areas. Uh, up north or, you know, the center of the state, it might be different. But um, I, I would have thought when it's freezing out, they're going to be bedded up all night because it's, you know, frost and uh, absolutely freezing. Well, according to my camera, they were moving. I got them on a couple different game trails, walking at like 2 in the morning when it was the coldest. And I would have never thought that. I thought they'd be huddled up and then they'd sleep in and then come out when the sun comes up. Now, I've always thought that growing up hunting, you know, they're going to be sleeping all night when it's cold during the winter. And then they're out all day in the sunshine, you know, getting warm. Well, my camera told me otherwise, or cameras, um, that they're moving. And it makes sense. Uh, they're moving to stay warm. And then they actually sleep in later in the day because they've been moving all night. And then they're actually out later in the day when you see them, which, you know, it was totally backwards from what I thought. So cameras have taught me a lot about their, their habits, you know? Absolutely, for sure. And that is spot on because I have witnessed the exact same thing. And I've always had that assumption that when it's cold, they're piled up and wait till that sun crests up and they're going to be up there warm themselves. And what we do know about javelina is they always got to be eating for their metabolism to keep their body going. And I do believe that right. to be true when it's really cold. They're up moving around, getting their blood flowing, and, and that's also another means that is keeping them warm for sure. So let's jump um, over to specifically as you're talking about the javelina and all the different beds. You kind of talked on that. 
um, especially living in Southern Arizona. And we, I was down there for two different trips down there in the last couple of weeks. The grass is five feet tall. It's I've never seen the grass as tall as I've ever seen in my life. I can't remember yeah. grass being that tall. Totally Me amazing. <laughs> Unbelievable. Crazy, crazy. So how... So how does that work now with setting up your trail cameras with all this crazy grass that's growing up all around, let's say the javelina beds, or you have these coos deer trails with scrapes, and, and they're they're actually walking through three, four feet of, of grass. So how are you dealing with well, that to adapt to that? The the javelina beds is actually uh, it, it's pretty cool because the ones they're using has no grass. So they've you know, moved it, laid on it, and it's flattened. So it actually helps me with my footage. The beds that they're not using are full of grass. So when I go to check them to set cameras, I know which ones are being used and which ones aren't. So, um, you know, any area around their bed, if they're using it, it's kind of flattened already from, you know, their activities. So despite the, you know, the, all the rains we got last year, um, last summer and all the grass growth, it hasn't affected my cameras because my spots are being used regularly by, uh, you know, wildlife. So I, I, it's not like I'm out there trimming, you know, Southern Arizona all up. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And what I noticed too is you can actually see where all the grass is being pushed, where they're starting to create trails through the grass. And I was looking for javelina, um, before I harvested mine a couple of weeks ago. And it was interesting. I could actually see where the javelina are pushing the grass. But when I was glassing it from the point, I'm like, there's no javelina here. But the javelina were there the whole time. Just the grass was a foot and a half taller than that. And at the different yeah. angles, you could never see them. But they're, they're right there in front of me the whole time. The thing about javelina is, especially with uh, people that hunt them, is they think unless they, they see them, they're not there. And, you know, growing up, I realized the thickest stuff, the better. I You know, javelina... It's the first, you know, wild animal I saw out in the wild as a kid, and I it's just been my favorite ever since. Um, there, sometimes they don't woof and you know bust out of there and let you know they're there. A lot of times, I've almost walked past them and then happened to hear something and realized they're right there. A lot of people, you know, that glass don't know this because they're they're you know glassing up from afar. But when you're down in the thick stuff with them, you learn a lot about it, you know, which benefits you when you're hunting them. Yep, and that's exactly true. And that's kind of what we did is we were glassing a, a high point, and there was these washes, these basically these cuts and ridges that were forming between all these rolling hills. And we said, you know what? We know they're here. Let's do a big loop. Let's get the wind blown in our face, and let's just still hunt in that thick stuff. And within 25 to 35 minutes, something like that. It was very quickly. Next thing I know, we got pigs wolfing, and they're blowing out of their beds, and we got pigs everywhere in this thick stuff, and it was pretty comical, but but that's javelina hunting. I mean, that's how I grew up, too, you know, and it's funny how now I want to be this big glasser and glass from two miles away, but really it's getting our boots back on the ground and, and being right in their bedrooms, as you said earlier. Yeah, that's, that's how I find a lot of my game, too. I go to places, um, <laughs> um, Places people won't hike. Uh, you know, there's uh, nothing against people that glass, you know, because that works. But I like to walk and, and go explore thick stuff. And, you know, animals feel safe in thick areas, uh, predator or prey. You know, they have trails to them, they use them, they bed in them. And 
that's one key to getting a lot of my footage is, uh, and I don't get hardly any, you know, hunters um, on my cameras is I go to places nobody else goes. And then, believe it or not, a lot of these places aren't far from where people are. And they would never believe half of my spots because they're in places that they overlook, drive past, but they're killer places in regards to finding game. Um, the thicker, the better, you know, and I, I love exploring. And like I said, you know, I, I, I find game trails. I find ones that are active. I find scrapes. I find beds. I go into the bedroom of a lot of animals and that's how I get a lot of my footage. I think, you know, 90% of hunters don't go into places like that. And, you know, they might not need to when they hunt because they're successful doing it their way. But I'm just saying, you know, that's, that's one of the keys to my success is, um, being down in the thick stuff with them uh, where nobody else goes. And that's a great point because I'm guilty as we always look for the least resistance, you know, means and yeah. methods to get from point A to point B. And if it's thick and nasty, we're, we're going to take that extra 200 yards to circle around it and bypass that thick area. Or we yep. would just bypass it completely where if you just spend that little extra time and go in there and, and figure out the trails are inside there and start following it, it's amazing the oasis of opportunity that exist right there in front of us that we're basically just glassing right over. Yeah. When I find a, when I'm up in the hills, you know, anybody else would sit there and set up a tripod and start glassing the hills. What I do is I look down at the bottom, deep bottom thicket and I'm thinking, Oh, that is where I got to go. And I go down in there and yeah, it sucks. You know, some of the stuff I have to crawl through, go through, um, to get down in there, but the stuff I find is just mind blowing. And so many people don't know that. Like with the feral hawks that I found, same thing. I found them in the thickest stuff you can imagine to, to the point where some of my cameras, I crawl in there to set them up uh, because they're just like tunnels in the thick stuff. Um, and that's one reason a lot of people probably don't see them. Not that there's many in the state, but the, the couple places I know where they're at. I have to go into the thickest stuff, you know, on my hands and knees to set up to get my footage. Speaking of getting on your hands and knees and getting the good footage, you touched on it earlier about not liking any snakes, but do you want to talk about the new camera that you got and the new lens that is on that and where you had to crawl on your hands and knees in order to get that footage? Yeah, that's the suspect, uh, micro camera it's got a lens that you know uh, it's it's not a zoom lens but it's a close-up lens for uh real close-up footage uh within like 18 to 30 inches um in front of the camera before it's focused um i got that camera for specifically for the uh, rattlesnake den and this rattlesnake den was probably about four feet tall about three and a half four feet tall the entrance and about six feet wide and then it gets smaller and smaller as you go in there and that's where i'd go in to set up the camera and you know you can see the rattlesnakes way in the back i mean it probably goes in about 15 20 foot maybe plus just that's as far as i can see with the light and they're all back in there and i wasn't going to go back in there so i only went in a few feet and then stretched out set up my camera and that's how i got a lot of my footage of the rattlesnake uh, don't lie. We know that you, they're your favorite animal and that you're not scared of them at all <laughs> and that you really wanted to go in there the whole 15, 20 feet and, you know, start petting them, right? Just to get that real well, up close and personal picture. 
look, this is the thing. I got them going by the camera in and out because they were kind of going in and out. And um, I wanted that shot of them all piled up like they are in the back. And yes, I tried to talk a few different people in <laughs> to going way back in there to set it up for me. I even offered to pay them because I just couldn't do it. And like I said, the, the cave gets smaller as you go in, so it, it comes down, you know, on your head. And even though I can see the snakes are back in their ways, oh man, you talk about the heebie-jeebies. I just oh, I couldn't <laughs> handle it. And um, you know, I it's, and at the same time, while I'm at the entrance. I'm looking back behind me because it's like on a on a hill, you know, for ones that are working their way up to the den because you don't know when they're going to show up, you know. And I, I tell you what, it's a nervous wreck. I won't. I've never done it on my own. I've always had a buddy with me just to watch my back because you know the rattlesnakes. I don't want to get bit. No, and that's it, you know, absolutely it, smart. It, it's dangerous, you know. And um, but I want that footage, and I'm thinking, oh, you know, everybody's really going to dig this. I'm going to dig this. Exactly. But. Uh, so, yeah, I can only go in so far. I'm hoping, you know, uh, as spring gets closer, um, that they'll start moving closer to the entrance, and I'll get those piled-up shots. I even thought about getting one of those little remote control, uh, uh, you know, little four-wheel drives that you can, you know, drive around and control them. Put my camera on that and driving it back in there and just stopping it and leaving it there for a couple of weeks. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. Just for the footage. Just for the footage. <laughs> wow. And, uh but, you know, I'll do it the way I've been doing it, and, um, you know, we'll see what happens. Hopefully, eventually, I'll get it. Yep, and this is the other key, along with hunting, not just trail cameras, but with hunting, too. Um, be persistent. That is one of my keys to my success. Don't give up. Just be persistent uh, when, when you're after, you know, footage of any animal. Just keep going at it because eventually you'll get it. You know what I mean? And, you know, in regards to hunting, it works both ways. Exactly. 100%. And I was going to expand on your uh, your snake den. I was amazed of the critters that the snakes eat, how they go in there and say, hey, I'm a free meal for you. Come get me. Was that kind you of know, a, a different concept to actually see some of that stuff happening? That blew my mind. I got footage of pack rats running in and out of there, cruising all through their birds. I got javelina. I got Coda Mondays. The javelina crawled in there to the point where they're on their knees and, and scooting along on their belly in front of my camera to get way back in there. Now, I don't know if they were going in there to bed or if they were going in there to get a snake. I, I don't know because all in the back, way back in there, it's full of rattlesnakes. And the Coda Monday went in there. And, you know, was the Coda Monday after a rattlesnake too? I, I don't know. Or if these... Or, you know, if the two of them were just exploring, I, uh, you know, so that's another thing my camera showed me. You know, I would have never thought a Carter Monday and a Javelina would, you know, be crawling into this den. I know some animals are less affected by their venom. I wonder if anyone has any knowledge or if any biologist or wardens or um, anyone with intimate knowledge on that do do the Quatamundis or the Javelina or or any species, I mean, we know birds of prey and whatnot definitely eat um, some of our rattlers and some of our other venomous snakes. But if anyone can weigh in on that, we would love to know. Um, that would be interesting if they're less affected by the venom or if they do go back in there and it's just kind of like a, a mutual respect that, hey, I know you're out of the sun, I know you're out of the sun, we're just going to agree to leave each other alone kind of thing. That That's interesting, but you wouldn't have that. And we're not hunting rattlesnakes. We're not hunting uh, 
some of the other you're not hunting the pack rats but you would not have that had you not had those trail cameras in there yeah exactly i was shocked when i got that footage uh, the, the pack rats even you know i'm thinking that's the last place pack rat would want to be maybe the rattlesnakes you know when they're in there tucked in the back you know everything's slowed down for them and the animals know that uh you know and so when they go in there they know that the rattler is not gonna you know strike at them i don't know i i i don't know the answer to that in that dormant state and in uh, slumber, not full hibernation, but because their bodies right. are are a lot cooler due to the temperature on the outside that um, I know they got to go out and bask in order to help in their digestion when they do have a big right. meal from a rat or, or whatever critter that they ate. I wonder, I wonder if over time that those animals have learned that. That's an interesting concept too. Yeah, and they, you know, like you said, they, they might all just be sharing the den. Um, they're all on equal terms at that time of year. You know, I, I don't know. I, that is something I don't know. And can you touch on boots on the ground like we, we were talking about? Um, a lot of people know the history and the amount of years you've had with Kong, a big black bear that is in southern Arizona. Uh, you wouldn't have found him necessarily, correct me if I'm wrong, but you wouldn't have found him and potentially some of the other bears if you weren't out there actively hiking actively looking at the terrain actively finding some of these really cool natural water catchments they're not you know they're not man-made they are uh, from nature that god made and created these little divots over time from erosion or from the different mountains and whatnot and they fill up with water on on a rainstorm or there's a natural creek that flows into them and these bears in the summer love going in there and and cooling off like we would for a pool, right? Yeah, you know, I, I started off putting a few water holes like everybody did. And, you know, I lost a couple cameras here and there like everybody has. But I wanted footage that was different from what everybody else get. Um, and, you know, no risk to my cameras. So I, I, I started coming across pools and little springs and springs that are on maps and pools that are there either year-round or certain times of the year when it's hot that still hold water. And I thought, you know, try this and, and see what I get. Well, I get some of the best stuff I've ever gotten. Uh, those remote pools are fantastic. Uh, I get 10 times more than I would a water hole or anywhere else. And once again, these places are in those thick, tucked away, hideaway places. Um, and I get some fantastic footage. Uh, the problem with springs is any springs that are on maps are the same as water holes. People know about them. And, you know, more than likely there's going to be water or cameras on them. But uh, the water spots are fantastic, especially here in the desert. You know, that's, that's a, you know, the cycle of life, the key to life here in, in Arizona in the summertime is, is water. Those animals have to water. And I don't, I don't believe the, animal, or the animals are spooked in any way by my cameras because if they were, they wouldn't show up, you know, day in and day, day out, you know, every day of the week. I, some of the footage I get, I've been getting for a few years, and those animals are still coming to these spots. So... You know, in regard to messing with their lives and making them go to other water sources and then, you know, dying of thirst is baloney, uh, you know, they're going to go there. We agree. We we completely agree. I know Mike and I and many others agree with that statement. Um, we you can Anybody that's run cameras can put a camera up on on an area if you if it's a highly trafficked um, you know, area and you see that all the grass is stomped down and it's, you know, on a nice game trail or, or a watering hole or, you know, 
wherever you put it, if that's, if it's frequented and visited a lot within hours, yeah. you know, if you check your camera in a month and you look two hours after you put it uh, there previously, there could be animals coming in there. And some of them are curious. They come up and you're getting those up close, funny shots, or, you know, we've gotten plenty with the cow or excuse me, a calf um, elk. And, you know, it's jumping around when we have it on video or it's tongue hanging out and just playing. They're just being, you know, they're just being themselves. They're being animals and that camera has no bearing on them changing their behavior in, in our view. Yeah, if they were spooked by it, they wouldn't show up. They, they'd show up, check it out, and then it'd be gone and they wouldn't come back. Um, I, I believe they, they know, you know, I mean, they're an animal. They, they live by scent, you know, and... Uh, they know how long ago I was there. They know when I was there. They probably know how many times I've been there and every time I've been there from my scent. And, you know, when they feel safe and my scent is weak or they know, you know, it's, I'm long gone, they come in. Uh, so either that or, you know, they, they don't know I was there because they came in a different way, but I believe they use scent, you know, when they're moving around anyway. But yeah, I, I just... You know, I've, I've had people say to me on some of the Facebook groups, you know, oh, you're stopping them from doing this and that. And li- they're looking at your camera. And I was like, you know what? If, if if it bothers them that much, why are they always returning? I mean, come on. You know, they, they know I'm not there. They, they, if they were that dumb, they'd all be dead. <laughs> right. Because you know, hunters would have killed everyone that, you know, is out there. I mean, I just, you know, and I get it. These people don't know what I know about nature and, and how animals behave. They're They're just you know, going off what they see and they, they think that. But, you know, they, those animals know when we were there and when we, when we left. And that's why they come in while I'm not there. <laughs> and that's why you and other hunters that run cameras or, or, or get that kind of information, it can be springboarded into an educational aspect of, you know, correcting misinformation. And when people think that it does negatively affect them, we can educate them that Game and Fish uses them. Uh, federal U.S. Fish and Wildlife uses them. Other entities use them. And yes, hunters use them as well as just people that enjoy the the outdoors and nature and want to get footage of stuff that you wouldn't necessarily see. But you said they come time and time again. They'll come hours after you got there and still frequent that. They come up, they sniff it. Your, you know, our hands, the oils on your fingertips are touching that camera unless you're wearing gloves. And they're they're sometimes licking the camera and stuff. Um, I, I yeah. don't, I don't see it. I don't know. Well, how do you feel, Mike? No, I agree with that. And I'm going to go back to um, Kong. So here you watch Kong for years, and you built, in my opinion, you built a relationship and a respect and an awe and for that for that particular bear. And then for you to have a archery bear tag and knowing what you know and and that bear still coming in with your cameras there and, and ha- having your scent and having your presence and everything else and to have you show up and, and hunt that bear, you know, in, in, in concept. But once you saw the bear, your love of conservation, the animals and the respect, it completely changed you as a hunter to somebody that basically empowered that bear to have another day. Do you want to kind of talk about how you as a hunter for 30 years, a truck man, morphing into the trail camera than building respect for a particular animal based on what you learned about them. And, and you'd rather watch that continue than to have it harvested. Yeah. I, you know, 
when I first got in trail cameras, I, I got into it to get, you know, like a Jaguar Osla, Jaguar Andy, something different. And I did put, when I when I got, you know, a few cameras, I did put cameras in some of my hunting spots, you know, because you were allowed back then. But there was no way I could, or the, there was no way the cameras benefited me in any way. I've never shot anything I've gotten on camera. I get the footage. Um, in fact, the first time I was, I was doing the, the, archery bear hunt over the summer, you know, the late spring uh, that I got drawn for a bear hunt. I seen Kong and I had a 20 yard, 21 yard shot at him straight downhill. And when I saw him, he was, I didn't, I had no idea bears got that big. I, it blew my mind how big he was at 21 yards. And I shot over his back and I thought I drilled him. And he, he ran 20, he ran, he ran up on the side of the hill and he was about 40 yards away. And I was waiting for him to tip over because I thought I, I drilled him. And he um he just continued woofing at me, looking at me, and then took off. And I, I could have shot him again, but I thought he was dead. And then I go over and get my arrow, and there's no blood on it. I missed him. So I thought, well, I gotta I gotta put cameras here. So I put some cameras there, and I started getting them more and more. And I I never did shoot him. I I started getting them more and more. And then I started finding other areas, you know, within a mile or so of that area, on different trails where he was he was showing up at every camera I had. And I only had a few, like five or six back then. And I, I got like a respect from, you know, with him. I, it was like he knew what I was doing. And then the, the part of me took over, you know, using cameras for hunting. I just want to have cameras for the footage and hunting separate. That's when it changed for me. And it's like he knew I was hunting him, but I would never shoot him. And every time I saw a bear, oh, that's calling, that's calling. But it wasn't. Do you know what I mean? And I could never shoot that bear as as much as I wanted to when I first saw him. I just, I, I built a relationship with him with my cameras and getting the footage. And it was like, like I said, he, I think he knew I'd never shoot him. And in return, he gave me the footage I wanted. Do you know what I mean? If I don't know if that makes sense. It does. A lot of people think that we're <clears throat> these you know, brutal hunters and we only go out there. We just kill for sport. We kill for trophy. You don't eat the animals. You have no connection to the land, but right. a lot of us do. I'd say the vast majority oh, yeah. of hunters do have a connection with the land, have a lot of respect for the animals that we pursue and really appreciate God's creation that they, that, you know, that he put on this land for us to harvest. But we do respect right. it. We are conservationists, and we want those animals to he be here for years and years to come so that future generations can see them. No hunter wants to eradicate uh, a species so that no one else can hunt it. Um, maybe some are out there, but none of the ones that we know or uh, none of our listeners and members, I don't think, are like that. Yeah, and, you know, like I said, I, I used a few cameras, uh, you know, my hunting spots in the beginning when I first got into them. But that was the turning point for me where I separated the two and it wasn't about the hunt anymore. I got more into trail cameras and the footage. And so I separated them. And, you know, I, nothing against hunters that use them for, uh, you know, hunting up till the ban this year. Um, you know, to each his own. But I just, I didn't see the benefit with using cameras uh, for hunting uh, as, you know, 100%. And I, I, just from my experience, and that's not why I run trail cameras, you know, and it just, it changed me. You know, I, like I said, I still love to hunt, but now I hunt with just a camera. Um, and I've been doing that before the band anyway. Uh, it's just, the footage is incredible. I love it. And it, it shows me a different part. And you're right. You know, we, hunters aren't just all killers. 
you know. Um, we have a lot of respect for animals. And I learned that. And Kong taught me that when it came to cameras, um, when it came to cameras. And so that, that was the beginning of, you know, me starting the YouTube channel and doing just wildlife videos. I think I got one hunting video on my YouTube channel, and it's Javelina. But I decided, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to separate the two, and I've done that ever since. Um, you know, I get a lot of guys that are like, oh, my God, you, get, you know, you get this buck and that bear, and I'd love to harvest, you know, this and that. And, you know, I try to tell them, you know, just because I get them on camera doesn't mean I go out there and, and sit and read a book to them and see them every day. You know, it's, it's, exactly. it's not that easy. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's, I, you know, just because I get this footage doesn't mean, you know, I've got, you know, my five-bedroom house, you know, full of mounts. It's not like that, you know. And But I separated the two. You know, I, I just, I cameras were for the footage and, uh, you know, hunting was for hunting. And I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that. You know, yeah. I, I enjoy that. Uh, unfortunately, now I made a choice. You know, now it's just all cameras. Yeah. Um, I'll always be a hunter the rest of my life. You know, it's in me, it's in, me, it's in my blood since I was a little kid, ever since. My brother got me into hunting, you know, when we first moved to the States uh, when I was about 11 years old. Um, but, you know, I think all of us love animals. We all love going to the zoo and seeing animals do their thing. Uh, even more so on, you know, the wildlife TV shows that used to be on TV, you know. And, um, I, you know, I've separated the two. And even though I'm a hunter, I, I love just seeing animals do their thing, you know. And that, that's what I get out of my cameras. Yep, and it, and it shows. And my last question is... And especially now that we're starting to hear some of these, I'm reading things that now they want to try to ban lion hunting and bear hunting and all the other predators. I think what you have showcased in the last two years of how many lions and bears that you're capturing on your trail cameras, I mean, I'm sure you're just capturing a very small number of what's actually out there, but it is truly amazing how many lions and bears that you're capturing. And I think the general public and the average hunter and everybody else has no concept that our forests are have a great population of lions and bears and bobcats and things like that. Yeah, you know, I well, I'm not bragging, but I've gotten a lot better with my cameras at finding spots, you know, where animals go. And I'll tell you what, um, we got a lot of bears, <laughs> and we got even more lions. I have lions at spots. Almost every camera spot I have, lions show up. Um, you know, a few years ago, man, I'd be overjoyed about getting just a lion walking by here and there, the odd camera. I get them all the time. Uh, I don't know. You know, maybe I've just gotten better with the cameras that find spots that they like to go to or travel through. But there's a lot of lions in southern Arizona. Um, I'm not letting, you know, I'm not trying to piss anybody off and letting the cat out of the bag, but there, we've got a lot of lions and bears. And, you know, even bobcats for that matter. And if they do any type of, you know, ban on hunting those animals, you can say goodbye to our deer. They're gone. Yeah, I think anyone that's spent any time hunting and has seen deadheads or have seen <laughs> recent kills, um, come across any of the carcasses, come across, you know, any more than just sheds, you know right. that especially the mountain lions are very successful at taking our coos deer as well as some you know the desert muleys but when we're up in those sky islands in southern arizona and you're hunting the coos deer in those uh you know where the century plants and acatillos and you're out there covering ground you come across that stuff you've seen where kills have been and 
a bear could do that, obviously, but mo- more times than not, it's going to be a lion kill. You're seeing it buried or you're, you're seeing the nose bit off. Um, if it's a deadhead, we just had a friend um, hunting in southern Arizona and glassed up, glassed up a deadhead a long ways away and went right. and hiked after it. We kind of walked him in with some hand signals and its whole you know nasal cavity and the top jaw and whatnot are all gone. And Mike right. was like, oh, yeah, that's that's from a cat. You know, they're going to go after the spine or they're going to go after the choke, you know, on the jugular. But when they're eating and grabbing that front, that nasal cavity um, is soft and whatnot. So they go after that. And yeah, you see that there. a lot of people out there know that there's plenty of mountain lions eating our coos deer. And if they do, you know, Humane Society of the United States, that really is just a, you know, political action a group that wants to ban hunting and they, you know, tear at the heartstrings or pull at the heartstrings of the general public and uh, use pictures of spotted cubs or pictures of, you know, jaguars and uh, ocelots, which are already outlawed and are federally protected, but the general public doesn't know that. And then they'll use a, a picture of a, you know, baby mountain lion, a little cut or a little uh, kitten with spots though you don't hunt those anyway and any sportsman with ethics would never target that plus it's against the law and uh unfortunately hsus is wanting to do all that ban on predator hunting and uh our our prey items are definitely going to be impacted if if uh everybody doesn't voice their opinion so we would well not not only that i i've seen more lions with my own eyes the last year and a half, two years. Uh, but the last 30, I've seen one. Um, so if they, they ban lion hunting, you're going to get a lot more hunters running into lions. I think we're going to have a lot more issues. Uh, same with bears. I mean, I'm not saying we've got a million of each, you know, in southern Arizona, but there's quite a few. And uh, it's going to wreak havoc on the deer population. And I think, you know, there might be issues with hikers and hunters when these these two animals are, you know, taken off the list for hunting. You know, if it happens, there, there's going to be attacks, without well, a doubt. We pray that it doesn't. Um, everybody voice their opinion. Anyone listening, please reach out to the commission. Please reach out on social media that a lot of people are advertising. Um, any of the conservation groups that are opposing this ban, Please continue to write and call in and voice your opinion. Jason, how can they reach you? Um, how can our listeners reach you? We're going to put your website and your YouTube channel in our in our comments on our uh, on our podcast. But I know you got Instagram, you got Facebook, and you got YouTube. How can people that are listening to this see your videos, see those past videos when you first saw Kong, the newer ones with those micro lens uh, capturing that real intimate footage of a rattler coming by. If you can give all your, your screen names and your websites so that people can see you. Yeah. I, uh, my Instagram is uh, Miller triple Oh seven. Uh, on Facebook, I've got trail cam journey group, uh, or page and, uh, uh, YouTube is Jason Miller outdoors. Awesome. Can you leave us with uh, any other parting words or anything you'd like to discuss that we failed to ask? Uh, just thank you very much for having me on. I really appreciate talking to you guys. Um, uh, and, you know, for all the hunters out there, uh, learn more about um, the animal you're after. And, you know, once you do that, I think you, you have a lot more success 
success in, in you know, finding them. Uh, like, you know, for instance, you know, white-tailed deer, the coos, and mountain lions. You know, I get a lot of my footage of them on game trails, but also like scrapes. They both do scrapes, you know, and I never knew that 20, 10 years ago. Um, now I look for stuff like that, and, you know, hunters walk past that stuff and walk over it and have no idea what it is. Learn more about the animal, and, you know, you might have more success in finding them. Great tip. And as always, we end in prayer. Uh, Mike, if you could close us out, please. All right, Lord God, we just uh, thank you for this day, Lord, of uh, fellowship with our friend Jason Miller, Lord. We just ask that you would bless him, bless his family, Lord, and uh, bless him in all his outings in exploring southern Arizona and expanding the trail camera journey, Lord, through the, the images of videos of your creation, Lord. And we know that his heart's desire is to, to make this a full-time job and a full-time gig and to impact the wildlife community, Lord, and, and all of those that have a, a sense of conservation, Lord, we just ask that you would just open doors for him that, that, that should be open, Lord, to allow him to fulfill his dream, to continue to, to expand uh, the trail cameras and, and for all of us as the public, Lord, and, and to witness your creation through his great, amazing videos. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Amen.